Welcome to Diggin' the Dharma, where we dig into the Buddhist Dharma and explore ways to bring these 2,500-year-old teachings into our lives. I'm Doug Smith of Doug's Dharma on YouTube and the online Dharma Institute. And I'm John Aaron, teacher at New York Insight Meditation Center and mindfulness-based stress reduction teacher and teacher trainer and founder of Space to Meditate. Well, good morning, John. As always, nice to see you. Good to see you, Doug. How are you doing? Doing all right. Doing okay. Any wild animals in the backyard? Uh, not not at present. We, we've had, as you know, a menagerie of wild animals over the past few weeks and months. But, you know, n- none right now except perhaps some birds. And I'm sure there's a rabbit somewhere. Because <laughs> <Okay. laughs> they're always there. With a hawk flying overhead. Yeah. With, with hawks flying over, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I discovered a, a, the other day I went out to... Um, Something called the I, in New Jersey, in the in not that far, like an hour away, there is the Great Swamp National Wildlife Refuge. Oh, neat. Okay, which is really spectacular. I had no mm. idea. It's eight thousand acres, somewhere right off two eighty seven. I mean, it's like amazing, mm. uh, amazing. You know, quantity of birds, and uh, I got there at the wrong time of day. But what I did get to experience a lot of were dragon, incredibly beautiful dragonflies. Oh, neat. Which I find fascinating. Mm. dragonflies they're just remarkable insects they are yeah people don't realize how much great stuff there is to see in new jersey it it has this reputation i think because of (laughs) i-95 going through it yeah because experience yeah some of the stuff near new york city i think yeah it's if you get farther out it's beautiful yeah yeah so you know good sign out whatever we say uh, to those folks listening from new jersey New Jersey has a lot of beauty. It is called the Garden State, after all. It is. It is. And, uh, anyway, its bum rap is not uh, not warranted. Warranted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I will admit I I'm a little down because I <clears throat> just was listening to a report on the Canadian wildfires mm. the, that are completely out of control and are burning. Billions, millions of acres. Yeah. Um, and, and as, uh, you know, it was reported that the amount of carbon that's being produced by these fires is uh, greater than the entire economic, uh, greater than the carbon produced by the entire economic output of Canada, mm-hmm. everything combined. Yeah, yeah. And it would be the fourth largest carbon emitter in the world if it were a country, if the fires were a country. Yeah. And that's just in Canada. You know, it's not even talking about fires elsewhere. So, yeah. um, you know, and, and they're sort of out of control. And it, it brought up, for me, the famous teaching called the Fire Sermon, actually, that the Buddha gave. And I know mm-hmm. you've you've done a podcast on, I mean, a, a recording on this, a video on this. And it's a powerful and, and disturbing teaching, but I think it's worth maybe looking at and yeah. just talking about. So. I don't know, maybe you, you would like to quickly summarize it or... Um... Yeah, I mean, I, I did a, a video on the fire sermon uh, a while ago, actually, uh, after our house fire, because it was sort of coming, you know, all these fires, um, it was coming to, to mind, obviously, at that point, Yeah. Uh, as being a, a very salient discourse at the time. I mean, I think inter- it's, I mean, you can look at it from so many different angles. It's a very simple you know, in its in its in its structure, it's a very simple kind of discourse. Mm-hmm. But I think it helps to look at the sort of the background in the sense that, you know, the Buddha 
was at least the commentarial discourses say he was he was talking he was giving this discourse to a, a number of brahmins who were fire worshipers mm-hmm. and i think knowing that you know knowing the background or at least i mean it, that would make a lot of sense i'll put it that way you can't necessarily believe everything in the in the commentaries so i don't want to say i don't want to you know imply that you know we always have to take the commentaries seriously but i think in certain circumstances they they can provide us some insight and this certainly makes a huge amount of sense because at the time and indeed up until the present day fire is extremely important in in hinduism nowadays and in uh the uh vedic brahmanism of the buddha's day uh because the whole idea of the practice back then or you know one of the central aspects was to sacrifice certain kinds of things like milk and ghee uh, butter into the fire along with other things and the mm-hmm. fire was supposed to be an emanation a, you know of uh the fire deity it was so it was holy and it and indeed the brahmins were not allowed to let the fire out i mean that was the whole idea they had three fires and they had to keep them burning mm-hmm. um that was their sort of uh that was their task as a brahmin and and to obviously pro- provide these or perform these rituals and so what the buddha often did with these kinds of things is to totally turn, turn them, around. them around yeah you know to take to take these incredible uh, you know incredibly uh, powerful sort of metaphors of the time and completely change them so that they would right. shock people <laughs> well and, this yeah and this sermon certainly did that this talk yeah and so he yeah. was apparently giving this talk to a bunch of uh, fire worshipers and with you know, ba- as well. It sounds like. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I I think they were fire worshippers who eventually became, as I recall, became you know became big. As the became, story goes, yes. as the story goes, they all became. <laughs> like, as you recall, as you, yeah. you were there. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I mean I mean even before we get into the sermon, I mean what's so interesting, right, is that that word nibbana mm. yeah. <laughs> is actually put yeah. out the fire, but you know putting out exactly. the exactly, and, 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 and that comes right from this. Yeah, you know, yeah. And so, just before we go any further, we might just mm. want to read the first few lines. And I, I have, I don't know what translation you're looking at. I'm looking at. Uh, I don't have the uh, translate in front of me, but. Oh, okay. I have, not, I have a Nyanamali Terra um, translation mm. that I'm seeing on Access to Insight. Bhikkhus, all is burning. And what is all that is burning? The eye is burning, forms are burning, eye consciousness is burning, eye contact is burning. Also, whatever is felt as pleasant or painful or neither pleasant, painful, or nor pleasant, that arises with eye contact for its indispensable condition. That too is burning. Burning with what? Burning with the fire of lust, with the fire of hate, with the fire of delusion. I say it is burning with birth, aging, and death, with sorrows, with lamentations, with pains, with grief, griefs, and despair. And then he goes on to the ear burning and the nose burning and the tongue burning and the body burning and the mind burning. This is like everything is burning, not just the sense organ, but the, the object of the sense organ and the, and that which receives <laughs> the sense, the con- mm-hmm. eye consciousness or ear consciousness, whatever. So all of that's burning. Yep. You know, what are we to make of this? Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, it's a very, it's it's a very shocking kind. I mean, because basically he's saying the entire every, all, everything is burning. The whole right. everything that we can experience, the all, the the, the right. whole uh, of reality uh, is burning. 
And what's fascinating, I mean, and, and literally now, of course, a lot of that is happening. I mean, yeah. literally burning, right? So mm-hmm. the question is, and it, and, and in a sense, it's burning for the reasons that, you know, were clear to the Buddha. <laughs> it's ironic, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, you know, because, you know, because what, what's really happening is when we don't recognize that burning, we are living from a place of greed. And passion for whatever it is we want and want to have and need to, have, you know, not only what we need to have, but what we, you know, this idea of having mm-hmm. um, and possessing and controlling and all of that. What's fascinating, and, and this came out of the podcast this morning, I forgot to mention it, is like, you know, the, the particular reporter that was talking about it was saying, yeah, you know, for the last few centuries, um, we thought we could control nature. <laughs> As if we were apart from nature and could control it, you know. And now it's pretty clear that nature is controlling us, as it always has been. But because we have this fire of greed, hatred, and delusion, those fires, you know, are just kind of part of our... Part of our nature. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to say our genetic makeup, It's which is, uh, you know, until we until that is seen, you know, it, it completely takes us over. Yeah. So that's the nature that you know, is also taking us over is that nature of greed, hatred, and delusion. And, and it is our practice, of course, which is helping us see that hopefully very directly. Yeah. As it gets to the end of the sutta, he talks about in this, in this translation, the word is estrangement, estrangement in the eye, estrangement in forms, estrangement in eye contact, estrangement in eye contact, and I consciousness. Um, so it's like, okay, I'm, I've had enough, (laughs) you know, I don't need that. And so we're really talking about cooling the fires, the passionate fires of, of our desires. I guess another word would be disillusionment. I mean, yeah, yeah. Estrangement is an interesting translation Mm -hmm. for sure. And I'm sure we could find many others. Yes. And, you know, so how do we work with that? And we've talked about yeah. this before to some degree. How do we work with desires? How do, you know, like the desire to be with family, the desire, you know, to, to care for people, the desire to make the world a better place. And I think that's, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, can we have the desire without, because the other word that comes in at the end is passion, you know, mm-hmm. cooling the fires of passion. Yeah. You know, and, and how do we, how do we have both? That's that's the inquiry. It's like I, yeah. yeah, and and also I think I mean for one one I think stage along this path is to overcome our initial reaction against this whole. It seems like too much, you know. In yeah, other words, right. the the Buddha is saying everything is burning. That every, you know, that it's it seems like no escape. It it seems too much. I think it's critical, or at least to me, it's important to know to note that what he's talking about here is the first noble truth. Right. He's talking about the fact that that, that we must begin our path, and this is the Buddha's apparent. This is has the uh, goes down traditionally as his third sermon. So it would have been an early, early teaching again to a group of people who probably didn't know who he was or didn't know much about him. And what he's trying to do is to point out the the, re, the critical importance of of seeing and understanding dukkha, and not only seeing it, but seeing the depth of it. 
that we tend to think of dukkha as something that's relatively passing, you know, that comes and goes. And, right. You know, so we stub our toe and then there's dukkha and then we sort of, you know, <laughs> then we go on with our lives um, and then there's no dukkha for a while. And what the, what the Buddha is saying is that that's not looking at it deeply enough, that this is very, this is pervasive in everything, everything that we do and everything that we're associated with, with all of our senses, with all of our mind. He's not trying to be, uh, give us a downer here. He's trying to sort of spark <laughs> us, you know, give right. us a spark, if yeah. you like, to try to put out that spark. <laughs> to I try mean, to, it's, you know, it, you know just like imagining the audience for this hearing it yeah especially you know the brahmins that you're referring to and it's like whoa okay and it's true you know we we talk about you know the levels of insight right so the the the, the knowing of dukkha and the or the the understanding the the cognitive understanding of dukkha mm. the experience of dukkha and then there is the knowing of dukkha. And, mm. and I think when, you know, when he talks about, you know, it's not just the eye burning, right? The, the, the form itself is burning. Whatever the eye is looking at is burning, you know. And then it's like the, 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 the eye consciousness is burning. So what is the eye consciousness? Is the, the eye consciousness is that which is labeling, that which is seen. And, uh, and, it's and, holding that, so just yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I don't know how to put it, but yeah, right. It's oh, it's, I want, I like this, I want this, I need more of this, whatever it is. There's, there's the the, the volition of like, ah, uh, yeah, mm -hmm. uh, I need, I, I, I don't want to let this go. And then there's eye contact, that, that just the initial contact, and whatever is felt as a result of that, like, mm -hmm. and so it's like that's the knowing of. Dukkha. No, really knowing of Dukkha is because it's, it's the full experience of it. We don't normally live that way, right? Or at least uh, view experience that way. And yet if we did, and, and this is the whole point of practice, right, is to kind of see that clearly, just exactly what is happening when either we are, you know, really drawn towards something or, or really pushing it away. You know, what's going on and, and how do we cool that? I don't think he's, I mean, he is to one degree saying, just put it out completely, but we have to, you know, there's that line then between cooling the fires versus extinguishing life. <laughs> right. right. Well, it's a, a gradual path. So we, right. have to, we have to work little by little. Uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Some of the monks didn't quite get that, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, so, so we are moved by things, obviously, in life. You know, we are moved to do things. We are moved to act, hopefully. And how do we act without passion that is going to cause suffering mm. to us or others? Yeah. How do we minimize the greed, minimize yeah. the hatred, uh, minimize the delusion? I mean, a lot of what we're seeing now when you're talking about these fires and so on is produced by or at least abetted by delusions yeah uh some of them are unintentional but a lot of them are actually intentionally created by people trying to obfuscate what's really going on in order to allow them to make more money <laughs> you know i mean at the end yeah. of the day it's it's greed 
that yeah. is producing delusion in people uh, that, you know, tends to stop any kind of political or at least slow down any kind of political solution. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you always hope that thing that people will, will wake up in the Buddhist sense, you know, and I mean, I think people are to an extent. I mean, I don't think that this is, you know, completely, I mean, I don't know where we are as far as getting this stuff done, but uh, I mean, certainly things are looking better now than they were, you know, 10 years ago. More people are aware, but who knows if we're going to get it in time. Yeah. Well, we don't, we don't know and, and we won't know. I, we haven't gotten it in time. I think what we yeah. don't know is what the results of that will be. Right. Yeah. Um, and, How bad it's going to keep. Yeah. And, and I, I think what's important, really important, and this is where we hope this idea of, for me anyway, the, the notion of, you know, Joanna Macy's term, the great turning, it's, it's like, what happens next? Mm. Are we going to, you know, keep, the same patterns that we've had of greed and desire and wanting and more, or are we going to be able to change to the point where we can find a place of balance where we're not trying to control nature. We are living as nature, you know, finding that balance. And, and yes, there's going to be obviously a lot of unfortunate destruction and death it's unavoidable it's already happening you know but are we going to go back and keep building houses on the coast <laughs> are we going to keep building houses next to areas that you know are inevitably fire prone are we going to be you know so so what is what is the what is the potential for a change in society yeah you know based on these teachings and other teachings of course but yeah one of the problems is that you know living in accord with nature as we've said, part of that, unfortunately, is living in accord, you know, I mean, to, to be in accord with nature for us is to be, unfortunately, displaying greed, hatred, and delusion. I mean, that's just part of what nature is for so many, for, for us, you know, deluded creatures. Um, <laughs> and so, I mean, I am not optimistic about any kind of wholesale change in how humans re relate to anything. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think if we can muddle through without killing everything, that's going to be a, a major success. A major success. But by the way, we're not trying to be down to everybody. This yeah, is, this is kind of a downer. It's kind um, of a downer, but I mean, but there's there's two different. You yeah. know, I mean, the Buddha wasn't really after. I mean, the Buddha was was after you know enlightenment, which is a, a high bar. You know, it'd be great if everyone could get there, but I just, that's, I don't think that's going to happen. So, what we're trying to do is sort of figure out how, you know, he can help us to figure out this lower bar, which, you know, is sort of surviving. <laughs> the lower bar is, you know, getting through life without needing to have everything, I suppose. Yeah, getting, the yeah. lower bar is, is recognizing when greed is taking over your way of being. Yeah. The, you know, uh, just recognizing the suffering that, that greed, uh, hatred, you know, manifest. And, you know, hopefully, while we may not be fully awake, we can at least through see through the delusions that are creating the suffering that's right in front of us. And, you know, I think that that's why this particular teaching, you know, was so powerful, because it just kind of it's like a big slap in the face. 
you know, you guys think you're, you're doing this and it's not creating anything. It's not freeing anyone, you know, because you're stuck on this belief or you're, you know, you're, you're, you know, feeling that, oh, fire is special and we need it and whatever. I mean, it's just like the symbol of it is, is wasted in a sense. It's not, yeah, it's not the out, the external manifestation of right. what's going on inside that matters. It's exactly. Really- you know, and it's, and it's interesting because, uh, we, we have this, uh, retreat coming up in a week, <clears throat> a little more than a week, uh, on the elements. And of course, fire is one of the elements, right? But the fire element, you know, is, is the, the, the natural element of fire, the, the, you know, the energy that is created and the heat that's created and inside of us, but also, you know, how energy is transferred between the fire of the sun and the nutrition that we eat and the energy that then comes into the body. That's a healthy, you know, sense of fire as opposed to the, the fire of passion. And even, even, you know, just looking at it on a, on a, pure level of sense desire and and lust obviously at times passion is is necessary to to get us excited about something or about someone you know or it just arises for someone and you know when that passion arises we have to recognize how easy it is to get burned by it in a sense you know and so okay so let the to even recognize the passion when it's there and recognize or, or see clearly whether it's, it's healthy or whether it's going to lead to some form of dukkha. Inevitably it will if we don't see it clearly. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And also there's dukkha and dukkha, right? I mean, they're different. Sure. Uh, for, for the Buddha's teaching, one can behave skillfully, which is to say with, you know, ethically and so on, and still be creating dukkha because anytime you're involved in the world, you know, as a layperson, you are in- inevitably involved in various, you know, forms of, of dukkha that are relatively minor and not considered unethical by the Buddha, right. but they're just, they're just there. I mean, it's part of making a living, basically. You're always involving yourself in at least minor forms of greed, but we're in this sort of uneasy middle ground for the Buddha, I think, you know, because we're not talking really about the achievement of enlightenment per se. We're talking about how to live as lay people in a way that doesn't destroy the planet, uh, which which is going to have to allow for, you know, lay people to have lay lives where they're making livings and uh, expressing their their passions and so on, which is going to involve some greed and some hatred and some delusion. Uh, but how to do that or how to, you know, how to uh, promote a way of life that allows for that and yet doesn't go too far. And that's where, I mean, I think, you know, mindfulness meditation, that's where calming meditation, that's where forms of the Brahma Viharas, you know, metta, loving kindness and so mm-hmm. on can be very helpful in, I think, providing us a a more stable source of internal happiness and internal contentment so that we don't have to continue looking for it, uh, you know, by, you know, piling up goods or something like that. Right. I mean, there has to be some, I mean, in other words, it's, it's this, but how much of that is going to be found pleasant by people around the world? I don't know. I mean, I don't know how extensive it's going to be, but I think, sure, we should promote it. 
Yeah, I mean, change gets forced upon us at times. And this is the case now. I mean, I, you know, just thinking about, I don't know, the city of Phoenix, you know, it, it said no more building because there's no water. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, so that was, they were, so, so, so I don't know what, you know, all those developers suddenly are stuck with, you know, empty foundations or whatever. I mean, it's, you know, so there's going to be, uh, and, and there'll be pushback until there's not. And, and, or what, what just happened? Oh, right. Uh, at least in this country, right. We, Incandescent light bulbs are now, uh, you know, they, they are coming completely off the market. They're, they're no yeah. longer being produced. You know, so there's change that, that is forced upon us. You know, so there's that external change, right? And and what really needs to happen is an internal change. Yeah. And an internal seeing clearly. And hopefully through our practices, you know, that that manifests, that evolves. I don't agree with you that we need, you know, that hatred has to be part of the the, the uh, picture. <laughs> um, Not that it has to be, but it will be. That's my. It point. will be, yeah. I mean, in some <laughs> cases, of course, or at least yeah. jealousy and and yeah. anger. But and if hatred arises, then you know it's like the the practice is. Oh, okay. So what's the? Where is that coming from? Yeah. You know what's what's the condition that's creating that hatred, and mm -hmm. is, is can I see past that? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that you know this is a this is a sutta really worth looking at, mm. and and you know, just seeing it as a wake up call. Not not that anybody listening needs the wake up call, but it never hurts. Yeah, and um, and also I will say that and and uh, and we'll put a link to this as well. I mean, and this is I just want to mention uh, that recently. Um, a spirit rock teacher died, who I never I met once, but I've never actually studied with, but. A man named Wes Nisker, uh, who's a wonderful comedian or comic. He just had a great sense of humor. And we will put a, a link in in the our site in the program notes about that that leads to a couple of his things, one of which is called The Buddha Blues. <laughs> and um, it talks about dukkha and uh it's it's really quite entertaining and he's he just had a way of, of teaching the Dharma that was quite engaging and, and very funny. And so you know, he will be missed. Yeah. So, you know, this is, this is important. If there's one teaching that wakes people up, it would have been this one early yeah. on. You can yep. just, you know, visualize it as you're reading it. Um, it's very short and uh, maybe we'll put up a couple of translations just so you have yeah, that as well. Links yeah. for translations. Yeah. Yeah. I hate to say it, but, we do have this passion for coffee, and this is a problem. <laughs> that is true. Um, but we would appreciate your feeding that passion. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a, it's, it's not a particularly unskillful passion, is these. No, it doesn't. Well, as long as we buy ethically grown coffee, and, that's right. That's and, right. You know, and, and I know we do. I don't know about you, but I'm sure you do. And um, <laughs> so you can buy us a coffee at diginthedharma.com, and it helps support our work and our show. And it would just be great to ha hear from you. Any comments on this or any yeah, of the other comments, podcasts? Questions, so yeah. Send us your questions. We had some good podcasts uh, answering some of these questions, and uh, mm -hmm. we like we like to get those. We do. All right, Doug. Great to see Until you again, next John. Time. Yep. And thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on your podcast directory. 
And please check us out at diginthedharma.com where you can leave a comment, buy us a coffee, and even become a member. You can find out more about me, John Aaron, at johnaaron.net and Doug at dougsdharma.com. Thank you.